Hallelujah. We're so glad you're here today. And something I want to start off with is that we read the Gospels, and we know it's about Christ, but in the Gospels, there's so many characters that you can read about. And the thing I felt in my heart yesterday, I was praying that I want to share with you today, that we're here today to celebrate that we, every one of us born again, are characters in the story of our author, Jesus Christ. Jesus is called the author and the finisher of our faith. He's called the author of our salvation. He has written a whole new story about those who become born again through his precious blood. And we're all characters that have been saved through that blood of Christ Jesus. Every one of us here has a story about what Jesus took us from and saved us from and brought us into. We are characters of, of someone who was lost, but now we're found. And what I want to re encourage you about today is there seems to be a strong movement of people. And I have, I've gotten emails this week, pray for so-and-so, pray for this one. They're, they call themselves atheists. And there's people who come in here, call, they, they're calling themselves atheists. And three of our young men ran into some Christians downtown, and they called themselves Christians. They were raised in a Christian home, but they're believing that they're atheists now. And there's a conflict about do I believe or do I not believe. The Bible says that there arose a generation after their fathers had died who didn't believe in the God of their fathers. And the enemy's wanting to come against our country. Trying to make it look cool and make it look hip that, that, you know, it's all right to be atheist and it's the new sound. And, you know, how do we really know there is a God? And the enemy wants to attack in all kind of different ways about whether we really do believe in our faith. If we do, really do believe that Jesus Christ was a real person, that he was born of a virgin. If we really do believe the gospels concerning his death and his resurrection. Do we really believe that there exists a resurrection after our death? If there's life after death and there's a, a, a demonic attack, the antichrist spirit already loosed in this world trying to fight the minds of those whether they believe it or not and they may be those here today that when you start going through trials and you start hearing different people give their philosophy and their thoughts it's so easy to wonder well do I really know do I really believe in what I believe in but in this day of resurrection I believe as the word speaks about there is a living hope that there is a hope and there is a belief that will rise up in your heart that no matter how strong the enemy would try to rise up young people that even though there's a generation that in the old times grew up who didn't believe in the faith of their fathers and you may be doubting do I believe in Jesus because just because my parents do and I want to challenge you no you do not believe in Jesus just because your parents do you believe in Jesus because you do that he has made himself real to you that he is your personal Lord and Savior and that you're growing in a saving knowledge of him and then when you have a saving knowledge and you know that Jesus is the Lamb the Lord the Savior then nobody can speak you out of that which you've received and that which you believed when I was leaving a, a crusade I had in Bolivia in Sucre Bolivia and I got on the plane there was this man who wanted to start speaking. He was an atheist, and he started bringing all these scientific terms. And the thing about atheists is they love to hear themselves speak. And so he started bringing all these scientific terms, and he started talking about the word, and he started talking about this, and he started talking about that. And he talked about how something came out of the waters and turned into an alligator. And the alligator went to the tree and turned into a monkey and climbed, you know, in, into the tree and became a monkey. And then monkey became a man, and man claimed to climb down the tree. And he was telling me all his philosophy, this and that and the other. And he says, what can you tell me to convince me? I said, well, I can tell you this. What you just told me never gave me goosebumps. It never moved me. It never made me felt love like I feel love with a story I believe. And I said, let me tell you a story. I said, I just came back from a crusade where this girl was a practicing witch. And I gave the altar call, and she had done witchcraft on the pastor's wife, and they had brought her into the room, and they were holding her down because the demons were manifesting. And when I walked into that room, 
that young girl started laughing, just the most mockery laugh that there was. And as I was walking up to her, as they were holding her down in Sucre, Bolivia, as she was laughing, out of my spirit just came. You may be laughing now, but you won't be laughing in a minute when you're walking through the dry places. And when I said that, her laughter stopped immediately, and then she started wailing. And out of my spirit came, I would be crying too if I knew the Lord I served was defeated by the Lord Jesus Christ. And then she wailed, and then I said, so in the authority of the name of Jesus Christ, you loose this girl and you come out of her in Jesus' name. And with a loud shriek, the demons came out of her. Her face changed. When she walked out of the room, people looked at her like they had never, they, she looked totally different. In fact, one guy ended up going to ask her to go uh, with the next youth meeting with her as a date. She, I was going, I was leaving the airport the next day. She met me at the airport with a gift, and she came up to me, and I told this atheist, I said, she grabbed me by the hand and gave me a gift. She Said, she said, last night was the first good night's sleep I have had since I don't remember when. I didn't hear the voices. I didn't feel the fear. And I want to thank you for coming and telling me about Jesus and setting me free. I said, your crocodile monkey story never made me feel like the story about a witch who got delivered through the name of Jesus Christ. So I want you to know. What we celebrate today, what we celebrate every day, what we believe every day, what we stand upon is the knowledge, the saving, delivering, powerful knowledge that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He conquered all the evil of the enemy. He is alive forevermore. And that's what we're celebrating today. That's what we're celebrating every day. It's in him we live and we move and we have our being. And if God can be for us, who can be against us? And it's by the blood of the redeemed, our Savior and our Lord, that we're alive and we shall be alive forevermore. Get a hold of your story. Know that your Redeemer lives. Know that his blood is on the inside of you. And then when you hear these famous people speaking of their Buddhism and they speaking of this and that and the other, we're going to read in the word again today. There is no one, there was no one who is worthy to open the seals in the heavens, on the earth or under the earth. I mean, even Muhammad Ahmad or whatever his name is, even the big Buddha dude over there in Buddha land and all these other guys, they can, whatever, you know, what's that, what's that guy's name in India? Who comes over here that Richard Geard on them others follow? The Dalai Lama. I mean, even the Dalai Lama. I tell you what, I tell you what, you, he may tell you he's got it all together, but I'm telling you, he's just a man. He gets mad. He gets angry. He gets sick. He is not a perfect man because there was only one perfect man who is worthy of the praise, and his name is Jesus Christ. And in Revelations chapter 1, then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who is sitting. <laughs> He's there on the throne. And there was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll. And it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel. I mean, this guy looked like the rock. Strong angel. Mm. And he shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals on the scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or in earth or on the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. And I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping and look. The lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy. Somebody shout out, he is worthy. He is worthy to open the scroll. And the seven seals. Then I saw a lamb. I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered. I saw a lamb 
as it had looked as if it had been slaughtered. And it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. It had seven horns and seven eyes that represent the sevenfold spirit of God is sent into every part of the earth. And he stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll and the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one had a harp and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new songs with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on earth. And then I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands of millions of angels around the throne of the living beings and the elders. And they sang in a mighty chorus, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. And they sang, Blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb. Somebody shout out to the Lamb. To the Lamb forever and ever hallelujah we read here when we start off it talked about a sealed document and it was amazing that the word of God has always spoken about a lamb and what they would write the sealed documents on would be lamb skin because it was the softest and in Jeremiah chapter 32 there's a prophetic story that goes here with revelation where Jeremiah is in prison for preaching the truth and in prison God tells him your cousin is coming to offer you a piece of land that is for sale, and you're the first in line to buy it. Thus saith the Lord, I want you to buy that land. Jeremiah said, but God, you have already told me the Babylonians are going to take over Israel. So why would I buy a piece of land if it's to be taken over? And the Lord says, I want you to buy a land, and I want you to sign a deed. I want you to seal it, and I want you to bury it. So Jeremiah bought the piece of property. He got lawyers. It says the lawyers and the witnesses came to his prison. Right there in Jeremiah, they came to his prison, and they signed and they sealed the document. And Jeremiah said, I want you to take this sealed document, this sealed land skin, and I want you to go and put it in the property. And I want you to bury it there. And after 70 years when the Babylonians are removed from Israel. And God is going to restore Israel. I want to go and I want to grab this document that legally says that I am the only one allowed to open this document. And read its, it's the, the uh, things inside of it. And so I want you to go and bury it. Because it doesn't matter how long it's buried. It doesn't matter how, what condition it looks like when we unbury it. It doesn't matter how rotted it may look when we when we unbury it, that document, since it's a sealed document, it is still as good as the day we wrote it before the lawyers and the witnesses. Just because it's going to be buried for 70 years does not, does not mean I'm going to lose the, pro the property because I paid the price. Listen now, I paid the price to redeem that property in my name. I want you to know, in the book of Revelation, there was nobody else who was worthy to take the sealed document and open it. It was the title deed. Listen now, it's the title deed of the earth. Satan took the earth away from Adam. But I want you to know, Jesus paid the price in the cross of Calvary to redeem this earth back where he's going to allow us to rule and reign with him on this earth. And he's going to build a new Jerusalem and we're going to reign here on this earth and in the new heaven. Hallelujah. And he said, I am the only one. I paid the price. Come on, give him glory. I paid the price to open this document. Now as I was reading and studying on the word sealed 
It took me to Matthew chapter 27, where it says, listen to me now. The reason that Jesus is worthy in Revelation chapter 5 to break the seal and read the contents. Because in Matthew chapter 27, they said that Jesus died and they buried him in a rich man's tomb. It was borrowed. And they rolled the stone across the tomb. And it says in Matthew 27, it says they sealed it. Because the priests were worried that disciples were going to steal the body. And the priests were worried that they might come true, that Jesus might rise again from the dead. But I want you to know Jesus on the third day broke the seal of the tomb to say, I have purchased the earth and the old way has been annulled and is of no good because now I am the living and new way. And because Jesus broke the seal on the tomb, he can break the seal in heaven and heaven and earth and all the redeemed will stand with him on that day. Glory be to God. Come on, can I hear an amen? The word of God is about the lamb. The children today are not going to be looking for Easter eggs. This is the third, fourth year in a row. They will be picking up little lambs up this mountain to hear about Jesus, the lamb that died for us. And we're speaking about the lamb today because the lamb is the central part of all the Bible. In Genesis chapter 22, Abraham was told to kill his son, his only son. So he took wood and he took his son and he went up the mountain and he laid the wood, which is a sign of the cross. And then Abraham grabbed the knife that represented the torture tools that were going to be used on the body of Jesus Christ. And, and Isaac said, I see the wood and I see the tool of death. But where's the lamb? And Abraham said, God will provide himself a lamb. And that God told Abraham, because I know you were willing to give your only begotten son. Because you were willing to do it, I am obligated to do it. And I'm going to send a son. And the sacrifice was a ram in the bush. But it wasn't a lamb. Because from the very beginning, they've always been, looked, they've always been looking for, a, for the lamb, not just a lamb. And you can read in the book where it talks about in Genesis that he was looking looking for the sacrificial lamb. That's why Cain's offering wasn't accepted. That's why what people's philosophies are not accepted. He's not looking for what you decide to give him. He wants you to receive and give what he desires for you to give him. And he wasn't looking for Cain's best in the field. He was looking for the lamb because the lamb spoke about his son. And he always was thinking about his son. And he prophesied from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3 that he was going to send his son. And his son was going to be a sacrifice to, to cover Adam and Eve's sin. He killed a lamb and he gave the skins and made clothes for Adam and Eve because it was always about the lamb. In Genesis, he was a sacrificial lamb. In Exodus, he's a Passover lamb who came out of bondage to redeem Israel. In Isaiah, he's the lamb that was led to the slaughter. In the Gospels, he's the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. In Peter, he's the precious blood of the lamb. And in Revelation, it's praise to the lamb. From Genesis to Revelation, you always find it's about the lamb. In Isaiah 53, 1500 years before Jesus was crucified, it prophesied that he would be wounded and led as a lamb to the slaughter. The word lamb there is the center of the chapter. And the lamb is supposed to be the center of our life. It's all about Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? Jesus is supposed to be the center. He's not just Jesus on Easter. He's not just the Jesus of Christmas. He's not just the Jesus when we feel like him. It's not just the Jesus when we feel him. It's not just the Jesus when everything's going good. He's the beginning and he's the the end. It's in him we live, we move, and we have our being. He's the risen Savior, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, the Alpha and the Omega. He holds the keys of hell and death. He is the Lord. He is the King. Hallelujah. Can I hear an amen? The Lamb 
is supposed to be the center of all that we do. We don't work him in our schedule. We don't work him in our calendar. He's supposed to be first above all. Love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. There's something you see in the movies. Jesus come riding into town on a donkey and they're, they're throwing palm leaves and they're crying out Hosanna, which means save us, O King. Save us, O King. When Jesus was working in his ministry, he was raising the dead. He was feeding the multitudes. He was doing signs and wonders. In his ministry, Jesus worked as the lion of the tribe of Judah. In his ministry, nobody could come against the words that he spoke. They even said no man ever spoke like this man spoke. In his ministry, he would ask them questions and they couldn't respond. In his ministry, he was full of authority and might. In his ministry, he would even raise the dead. And they would say, this must be the Messiah. This must be the king. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, they were shouting Hosanna because it was prophesied in Zephaniah that your king will come riding lowly upon a donkey. And back then, when war was through, the king would come riding upon a donkey signifying it's peacetime. If he was on a horse, it meant war. If he was on a donkey, it meant peace. Jesus came riding into Jerusalem upon a donkey signifying, signifying that peace was coming to Rome, to Israel. And so they were expecting Jesus to be the line of the tribe of Judah and destroy the Romans, destroy all their enemies and allow Israel to be once again a nation for God a nation free to end the bondage to take over the world to make the kingdom of God the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of this world the kingdom of God they're expecting Jesus to take over politically but Jesus didn't come to die as a lion Jesus came to die as a lamb and in the garden of Gethsemane Jesus turned from a lion to a lamb if you follow me in Revelation chapter 5 it says there came out one who looked like the lion of the tribe of Judah but the next verse he looks like a lamb that had just been slaughtered standing before the elders and four times in Revelation 5 he's called the lamb of God because it wasn't a lion that could give his life for the world it was a lamb that was prophesied that would give his life for the world and when Jesus was sweating great drops of blood and he said father if it be your will let this cup drop from me the lion turned into a lamb and at that moment he put on the spirit of humility he put on the form of a servant he became the most lowliest neediest of all creatures so that he could die for the humanity no matter how low or how far we've gone he's the savior of all mankind the word lamb there in revelation 5 even speaking about christ is the word for a pet lamb it's the same thing used that when the prophet came and spoke to David about the lamb, the pet lamb that the man had raised from very beginning and had raised him in his home and ate, fed him from his table. He was a pet lamb. Jesus was a pet lamb. But how many of you know the pet lamb defeats the dragon, the beast, the antichrist, and the devil because he is the king of kings and lord of lords. The word lamb is used 29 times just in the book of Revelation. I want to tell you something today. God wants us to get our attention upon the lamb, the lamb of God, even in the last book of Revelation it's about the lamb it's all about the lamb of God the lamb speaks of meekness submissiveness self-surrender deity revealing himself in humility when the eternal God wants to reveal himself he gave himself the name the, the lamb of God he was our broken savior to break all that was breaking us how his heart and attitude had to be shorn he never resisted he was a lamb as a lamb never does he never spoke back and even says here in Mark 15 29 and those who passed by blasphemed him wagging their heads and saying ah 
You who would destroy the temple. Yeah, you spoke like a lion. Where's your authority? Where's your power now? You spoke that you would destroy the temple and build it in three days. Save yourself and come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also, mocking among themselves with scribes, said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. Even those who were crucified with him reviled. They were mocking him. They were saying, If you be the King of the Jews, then come down from that cross. Call the angels to come down and remove the spikes from your nails. Come down and then we will believe because we don't want a Messiah to be a lamb. We want our Messiah to be a lion. We want our Messiah to be a reigning king. We want our Messiah to take authority. We want our Messiah to prove who he is. But what they didn't understand was that a king could not die for a slave. It took a lamb, a lamb for every man to shed his blood and redeem all nations and all people. Psalms 27. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out their lip and shake their head saying, He trusted the Lord. Let him rescue him and let him deliver him since he delights in him. But like a lamb, listen to me today, like a lamb, he never opened his mouth. He never explained himself. Other voices were crying out, lying about him, but not Jesus. He was the spotless lamb of God, and nothing ever escaped his lips. It says he carried our sins in his own body. He paid for your and I rights to be a child of God. Listen, I want to tell you a few things here. There were false witnesses speaking about Christ that we might have an advocate and that the blood would speak over us. He was hated without a cause so that we could be loved as sons. He spoke the truth that sealed his death, that we can speak the truth that seals our eternal life. Can I hear an amen? He was blindfolded that we might see. He was bound so that we could be free. God smote him on the head and the reed so we could hold and have the helmet of salvation. They sped on him, rejecting him so that we could be accepted in the beloved. They plucked out his beard, humbling him that we may be exalted in him. They falsely accused him so that we could be justified and proclaimed free. He hung in darkness that we might walk in the light. He was forsaken by God so that God would never leave or forsake us. He received God's wrath so we could receive God's mercy. No bones were broken so he gave his body to be a bridge for mankind to go from death to life. He gave his life so that nothing could separate us from the love of God because Christ arose as a conqueror to cause us to become one in him. Seven, as we read in Revelation, is the number of perfection. Seven is the number of perfection. It says there were seven horns proceeding out of the lamb. The set, number seven means perfect power. That he walked out of the tomb declaring all authority and power is mine both in heaven and on earth. It said the lamb had seven eyes which speaks of the divine wisdom of God. That God knows everything about you. God knows your today and God knows your tomorrow and he has it all planned out. The seven spirit speaks about God being omnipresent. That he's every place at all times. Thank God we have a God who is everywhere at all times. I want to say to today the devils are shaken today because we're celebrating exactly the one who squashed his head 2,000 years ago and won the victory the devil can't say anything he wants to but the devil cannot be everywhere at the same time only Jesus Christ can be the same at the same place at the same time I just want to throw something in here there are books written by ex-satanists and witches that say something very interesting and they all confirm one another they say that come the 31st of October, 
when they're celebrating, and usually Lucifer is to be offered a new bride, a virgin bride in their ceremonies, and they're to be human, and animal sacrifices to Satan. That starting from California all the way to New York, because of time change, they have to coordinate the marriages of Satan with each uh, covet, because Lucifer cannot be at all places at all times, and they've got to give a little bit of time from Satan to get from California, and you know, he's there for quite a while anyway, you know, they, <laughs> it takes a while from Lucifer to get from California to Nevada to New Mexico to Texas. They got to give him time because, you know, he can't just be there like that. He can only do one thing at one time because he's not omnipresent. But the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, he's everywhere at all times. His spirit, his presence, he's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. <laughs> Satanist, Wicca. New Age, Buddhism, Hoodism, whoever you are in the internet, whoever's listening to this today, whoever's here today, I want you to know there is no power, there is no authority on earth or under the earth that is greater than the authority of the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. The lamb walks out of the throne, outsteps the lamb. And John the Revelator has seen a, a glass with those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Brother Jerry, your brother is going to be all that sea of glass. Your brother that looks like me, that went before his time, he's standing on that sea of glass. Sister Bordelon, where are you? Sister Bordelon, your husband, that's a testimony, who went on to be with Jesus, is a testimony. As you say that if God could save him, God could save anybody, and God saved him, well, I want you to know he's standing on that sea of glass. And to every mother who ever lost a baby before it's time, that baby is standing on the sea of glass. And if your parents and some of my parents, and my parents and others, they were standing on that sea of glass on this day, waiting to rejoice and glorify him. And the Bible says in John chapter 4 that there are angels, 10,000 times 10,000 times thousands times thousands. And when you do the multiplication of that, there is 400 trillion, 400 trillion. You may be upset about the national debt, but I'm excited about the 400 trillion of angels that are on the glass sea rejoicing and glorifying God with the redeemed of the Lord. Can I hear an amen? amen. Woo, Revelation 4.11, hear this devil. To the lamb, they were shouting, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. You were born to exist for the glory of God. You were not born again for cancer. You were not born again for poverty. You were not born again for depression. You were not born again for defeat. You have been born by the redeeming life-giving blood of Jesus Christ to walk and live in a new living way which is him. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. He's worthy of all things that were created. He's the answer to everything. He's the why of everything and that he's the reason you're here, glory be to God, is because he rose from the dead. In Revelation 5, 5, but one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed. Somebody shout out, he has prevailed. 
he has prevailed to open the scroll and loose its seven seals. The line of the tribe of Judah, he prevailed because he has the right of conquest. And nobody or nothing will ever defeat him. He defeated death and the devil once and for all. And he has the rights of conquest. At Calvary, he conquered death. At Calvary, he conquered our diseases. At Calvary, he conquered our past. At Calvary, he conquered our addictions. At Calvary, he conquered our bondages. At Calvary, he shouted that we are worthy and that he is worthy of all the praise and glory and that he defeated and conquered everything for my people so that we could walk in freedom. And I praise God for that freedom that he's given us today. Now look at this. I gotta show you this. Revelation 5, 13, so many people think we're just gonna float around in clouds. You're crazy. You're not gonna get a harp and you're not gonna get a cloud. Look what it says here. It's gonna be, it's gonna be wild up there. You might be visiting us today. We're so glad to have you. Don't mean to freak you out. But you better learn to get freaked out here because you're going to get freaked out up there. Because you, you're getting ready to get freaked out by what I'm getting ready to tell you. You ready? Every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as in the sea and all of them and all that are in them, I heard saying, somebody shout out, saying. Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. And I read this and it said every, every creature, every creature that's in heaven on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea, such as in the sea. And I started investigating that and I started thinking, you know, maybe C.S. Lewis wasn't crazy when he wrote Narnia. How many know if you ever watched C.S. Lewis in Narnia, the beavers talked, the animals talked. And so, I mean, you got to use a little bit of imagination here, but look, heaven's going to freak you out, so let me freak you out first. God, you say, animals talking? Well, didn't the serpent talk in the garden before the fall? Didn't God use a donkey to preach, English, speak in Hebrew to a prophet? Didn't a rooster preach to Peter? Listen to me now. If God wants to use an animal to speak, and I believe if God wants the animals to speak, they could speak. And right here, and in your Bible, it says everything under the sea is going to start singing glory to the Lamb of God. All the little perches that you've been catching, you like to catch, are going to come up to the, to the water, and they're going to be saying, behold, worthy is the Lamb of God. The great whales are going to come to the edge of the water shout out behold the lamb he is worthy all the sharks and dolphins are going to come out and behold the lamb is worthy every octopus every every whatever creature is going to come and they're going to shout out he is worthy then on the land the the beavers and the lions and the bears and the antelope and the worms and the snakes are going to start shouting out behold for the lamb is worthy and everything created i believe the animals in heaven are going to speak and you're going to better speak to them and they're going to speak back because i believe there's going to be one language and it's going to be a universal language and i want you to believe and know that the bible says that everything on the earth and under the earth is going to praise god so we got the sea creatures praising God we got the animals praising God and then hallelujah you and I have a reserved seat where we're going to be praising God but I got I got more news for you yeah on that day I don't want no crowd. I don't want to be dancing on them streets of glass. And on that day, those fish are going to be singing. The animals are going to be singing. The redeemed are going to be singing. But it says that everything under the earth, that means Hitler is going to have to be saying, worthy is the Lamb of God. That means Stalin is going to have to get on his knees and say, worthy is the Lamb of God. That means Buddha and Muhammad and everybody else is going to be burning in hell, crying out, worthy is the Lamb of God. 
every demon, every devil. But oh, there's a voice I want to hear. I want to hear Satan scream. I want to hear Satan cry. I want to hear devil from his own fires crying out, Behold, the Lamb, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits upon the throne to the Lamb forever and ever and ever. Woo! Oh! I'm going to be one of those, of the redeemed. Lucifer, I can't hear you. Shout louder. Blessings and honor and glory and power to him who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Amen. Oh, I tell you. Woo! I want to be one of those to see Satan tied up in some chains and kicked into his own pit. I want to hear the demons of hell crying out, worthy is the lamb. Because when Jesus rose again, it says the Bible promised that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord and the King over all things. Give him another praise, will you? Woo! Hallelujah! How many is looking for that city? Today we're celebrating that we're looking for a city made of gold. We're looking for a city where we'll never die. We're looking for a city where the seated millions will never say goodbye. Where we'll meet with our Savior and our loved ones there. Come Holy Spirit, let our hopes be renewed. We're looking for a city where there'll be no sickness and disease. We're going to a city for, as the redeemed of the Lord to live forever and ever and ever. I tell you, I thank God this earth is not my destination in the ground and, and uh, worm food is not my future. I thank God that trumpet's going to shout as our sister was preaching and singing and all of our bodies the dead in Christ is going to rise up first and just like that sealed document it doesn't matter how corroded how corrupt it doesn't mean it doesn't matter if they're dust and ashes it doesn't matter if they had been cremated and thrown to the winds when the Lord resurrection the trumpet sounds all the ashes are going to come together the bodies are going to come together bones are going to come together and we which are alive and remain will be caught up with him forever and ever and ever Woo! You don't have to ask me if I don't believe what I believe. <laughs> Glory be to God. Where's the lamb in your life? Is he the center point? Is he everything, your first love? If he's who you're passionate about, that you would give everything up for. Is he enough in your life that all of a sudden you would be asked between Jesus You'd have to choose Christ or death. Christ and death are freedom and renunciation. Would you renounce him? Do you renounce him? Do you live like he's not real? Or do you live like he's the center point of your life? I used to sing a song when I was a child. Just suppose that God searched through heaven and couldn't find one willing to be because you know David wasn't good enough, Abraham wasn't good enough, Nehemiah wasn't good enough. Only Jesus was the only one. The supreme sacrifice that was needed that would buy eternal life for me, you and me. Had it not been for a place called Mount Calvary, and had it not been for an old rugged cross, and had it not been for a man named Jesus, then forever our soul would have been lost. But I'm so glad he was willing to drink his bitter cup. Although he prayed, Father, let it pass from me. And I'm so glad he never called heaven's angels from these hands, pull the nails that torment me. Are you thankful that Jesus gave his life for you today?
It says in Revelation 21, and he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give you the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. I want to invite you at this moment, if you just bow your heads for just a moment. Close your eyes. To him who overcomes, to that one who is redeemed, has received and accepted my sacrifice, who has accepted me as their lamb. In the Old Testament, the lamb had to be approved and perfect to be able to be acceptable for the man's sins. It had to be the blood of an innocent lamb to pay the price for a man's guilt and a man's sin. That's why Jesus had to fulfill all prophecy that it had to be a lamb to die in your and my place. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never accepted him, you've never received him as your Savior, I want to invite you to raise your hand right there where you are that I want to forgiveness of my sins and I want to confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. God bless you. I see that hand. Anyone else? You can raise your hands. Also, if you want to rededicate, there's a hand over here. God bless you. If you want to rededicate your life, if you, it's been a while since you've been to church and you haven't been living your life right, I want to invite you this moment just to raise your hand saying, I want to rededicate my life and I want to set the lamb as my purpose. If that's you, if you know your love has grown cold, if you've lost your zeal for life or living for Jesus, I want you to raise your hand that I want to rededicate my life and my love to Jesus right now. If that's you, raise your hand. Just raise your hand. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. To put Jesus in first place. For those who raise their hand, I want to ask you, would you come now? Would you take a step of faith? And would you come and stand with me up here at the front? Those who raise their hand, would you come?